Thank you. It is an honor to be here, and I just want to thank this congregation for your hospitality that you have shown to me and my family uh, over the last year that we've been worshiping with you. We are uh, currently part of a congregation new church start in Edwardsville, Illinois, called The Connection, and we're not worshiping uh, full-time yet, but we hope to start that in the fall. And I'm also currently appointed as a hospital chaplain at both the VA St. Louis hospitals. And so again, it's just an honor to be here and share this message with you today. Well, we all can probably agree that the world that we live in is full of fear. Fear of others, fear of failure, fear of rejection. And this fear, it can be crippling, but we don't have to face it alone. In fact, we were created to depend on God, especially in times of overwhelming fear. And when we recognize this, it's God that gives us the courage and love to drive out all those fears in our life. So take a second. What are you afraid of? Some of the most common fears are claustrophobia, acrophobia, fear of insects or fear of snakes. But the most common fear and phobia is a fear of social situations. It's sometimes called an anxiety disorder. And it's said that one in 20 people have some part of the social phobia. Meaning, at least there's a few of us out there that knows what this is like. But what is fear? There's a fear center in our brain called the amygdala, and it works faster than conscious thought. It makes associations with things that may have caused some pain in the past. For instance, if you were bitten by a dog as a child, it's hard to get over that even as an adult. The fear is a chain reaction in our brain that starts with a stressful stimulus and it ends with the release of chemicals that cause those things that we all feel, the racing heart, the fast breathing, tight muscles, among many other things. And the stimulus, it could be anything. It could be a spider. It could be a congregation of people looking at you. <laughs> it could just be a noise outside on a windy day. But our brain is a profoundly complex organ, and more than 100 billion nerve cells comprise this intricate network of communication, and it's the starting point of everything that we think, sense, and do. And some of the communication leads to conscious thought and action, but others produce what's called autonomic response, and fear is an autonomic response. We don't consciously trigger it, we don't even know that it's going on until it's almost run its course. Two years ago, I had my first panic attack. The very first time it caught me off guard, I was fearful for my physical health because a panic attack is an abrupt moment of intense fear. And it reaches a peak within minutes 
but it includes those symptoms like accelerated heart rate, sweating, trembling, shaking, sensations of shortness of breath, or even smothering. During, during a panic attack, I feel like I can't breathe, that I can't catch my breath. And all the alerts go off in my brain. My, I'm shaking, my body temperature goes from hot to cold, hot to cold. And it only lasts about 15 minutes. But I can feel the effects of it for days. It's like all the fear that you've ever had just comes and smacks you in the face. And you can't get over it no matter how hard you try, hence the panicking. And the scariest part is that they are unprovoked and unpredictable. And I will never forget that feeling of suffocation. And this is what fear can do. It can take away our very breath. But in contrast, I recently read a quote, and it really resonated with me. It said, spirituality is that which gives breath. You see, the word spirituality comes from the same root for the word breath. The Hebrew word for spirit is ruach. And when it's simply translated, it means air in motion which is sometimes the same word used for breath. So spirit, breath, they're the same Hebrew word. And we find the word ruach several times in the Bible. In Genesis 2, verse 7, it says, The Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. God breathed into his nostrils, ruach, the breath of life. And then the man became a living being. God filled humanity with God's very own spirit, which gives us meaning, hope, the ability to love. See, God's breath makes humanity something more than the dust that we came from. It's God's breath that gives us life. Again, in Job, it says that God's spirit made me. The Almighty's breath enlivens me. When Job had everything taken from him, he was beginning to question that connection with God. But even through his doubts, Job relied on the breath of God to give him life, hope, and God's breath can give us life. It can excite us and give us the hope that we need to go on through tragic events. Another powerful story of Ruach, you just heard a couple minutes ago, read from John 20. After the resurrection, Jesus meets with his friends not only does he just appear to them after they witness his death, but he delivers to them that promise he made of the Holy Spirit. It says, John 20, 22, he breathed on them. And he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Ruach. So can you picture it? 
they're here in a room and Jesus breathes on them. It, it was so important for the disciples to see that a part of Christ was becoming a part of them. And the interconnectedness of humanity to the divine was played out again thousands of years after God first breathed breath into Adam. Jesus gives them a gift of the Spirit. And it's a reminder that the Holy Spirit already resides in each of us. You see, it was just a few chapters earlier, we call it the final discourse, that Jesus promised the disciples an advocate, the Holy Spirit, to come to them, teach them, remind them of all the things that Jesus had said to them. Some translations use the word comforter to describe the part of the Trinity that comes alongside and accompanies us on the journey. The New Interpreter's Bible says that this verb to breathe, it's only used here in the New Testament. And its usage clearly evokes that description of God breathing the breath of life into the first human in Genesis 2. So the Holy Spirit is the breath that sustains the new covenant that God makes in the resurrection of Christ. That the faith community's work is an extension of Jesus' work because the Holy Spirit. And because that God breathed breath into the first human and Jesus breathes into the post-Easter church, we can know that the courage to overcome those fears in our life is already deep within us. It's been there since we were born and we took our first breath and we breathed in the Holy Spirit. Every breath we take, we're breathing in more of God. And in this breathing, become sacred. It becomes the thing that connects us to our creator on a second-to-second -second basis. And this breath, it is the animating force that Jesus used to send his followers into the world. It's the very essence of who we are, created and sent by the resurrected Christ. So when our breath is taken away by fear, it paralyzes us. It threatens the very part of us interconnected to God. After Jesus' crucifixion, the disciples and their friends, they were afraid. They locked themselves into a room. But Jesus comes and stands among them. He brings them peace, joy. And then he gave them a new life and he commissioned them to do his work in the world. There's a quote by author and fellow chaplain named David Finnegan Hosey. And he says that John's gospel begins with a divine image that the word of God takes on flesh and lives among us as fully human. 
And by the end of the story, the word has taken on breath and has breathed itself among a new community to be shaped in its likeness as advocates, comforters, companions, and friends. Well, defining this word ruach, it's widely open to interpretation. But if we go back to the very beginning, in Genesis 1, it says that God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the water. In Hebrew, the Spirit of God is called the Ruach Elohim. And in Hebrew, it says that it fluttered upon the face of the water. So in English, we have moved. In Hebrew, we have fluttered. But the Jewish theologian Martin Buber actually describes it as breathing. He writes that the Ruach Elohim is the breathing, blowing, surging phenomenon. And it's neither natural, like wind, nor spiritual like spirit, but it's both in one. And it's the creative breathing that brings both nature and spirit into one being. He says, the Ruach Elohim can best be described as the presence of God. So from the very beginning, the word Ruach stands out. And it gives us insight into our God who did not just put a world into motion and then step away. But there was purpose in the Spirit's movement. This God is present and part of all things spiritual and natural. And we as humans fit into those two realms. Spiritual, because God breathed breath into us, which I call our soul. And then, of course, we're natural because we can so easily be disrupted by tragedy and fear and suffering. But being created in God's image means that we are a bigger part of the world than just the dust that we came from. We have purpose in our life. And it is interdependent on God and on each other. See, our purpose has been breathed into us by the resurrected Christ. In 1 John 4, it says, There is no room in love for fear. Well-formed love banishes fear. And since fear is crippling, a fearful life, fear of death, fear of judgment, is one that's not yet fully formed in love. Well, God's love hovers over us. And just as the Ruach Elohim did at the beginning of creation, I believe the Ruach Elohim continues to cover us every moment, every day. And when we recognize this, we can relax, find our breath, and then we choose to share this covering of love with others. And that's when we become fully formed in love 
as the writer of 1 John says. So when we allow God to overcome our fears, we can become fully formed in the image of God. We can be courageous and find strength because we know that God already resides within us. There's a quote I want to share with you from one of my favorite authors, Dr. Brene Brown. She says, when we are brave enough to explore the darkness, we can experience the infinite power of light. So when we take a step toward conquering our fear and gaining courage, God shines a light on us, on us, through us, and then God walks with us through these times of grief, times of suffering. God has breathed breath into us to help us catch our breath in those moments of fear and anxiety. See, Jesus promised us an advocate, a comforter to journey with us. There's another author. Her name is Reverend Brenda Brown Taylor. She just wrote a book called Learning to Walk in the Darkness, where she investigates darkness as a spiritual practice. When she's asked about her book, she says, it's not a how-to book, but if it were, the only instruction would be to become more curious about your darkness. She says, what can you learn about your fear by staying in the moment before turning on the lights? Well, when we recognize that God is in our places of darkness and God is in our places of fear, we can maintain that courage to get through it. Spirituality is that which gives breath. <clears throat> and the God who breathed the world into being is still breathing. So as we breathe in the spirit of God, let us be reminded that we are part of the resurrected Christ, living in the world to bring comfort and advocacy for others. The community that was commissioned by the breath of Christ is called the church. And we are to be sent into the world to continue God's work. But today, if you are caught in a wave of fear, take a breath. Be transformed by God. Relax into God's spirit and know that God is fluttering over you and God is forming a community to come around you and accompany you on this journey. Breathe deep and allow the Ruach Elohim to catch you and cover you and those parts of life that bring you fear and anxiety. And be transformed into a beautiful, courageous child of God. Pray with me.
Dear loving God, we ask that these words sink in and settle over this wonderful congregation. Inspire them to be the post-Easter church that you have called them to be. Breathe your spirit over us. And press your love upon us as we continue to worship you. Amen.